We're sisters, best friends, and authors on a mission to help you stoke your creative fire and live the life of your dreams. We believe that purpose fuels passion and that creativity is your secret weapon for mass construction. There's never been a better time to bless the world with your dream realized. You're listening to The Kate and Abby Show. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Kate and Abby Show. Today, we're talking about everyone's favorite, anti-heroes. We all love anti-heroes, I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Me and Kate love anti-heroes, love writing them. I love reading about them. And, and it's like a great um, a great way to really explore internal conflict on a very I, layered... I think people are drawn to them for their complexity. Yes. There's so many complexities that can go into crafting a really cool anti-hero because we're not dealing with a villain, but we're not dealing with a hero either. We're in this interesting in-between area where you can actually pull from both dynamics of yes. villains and heroes to create this one very interesting complex person that actually many of us can identify with mm -hmm. because who can't identify with, you know, struggling to make the right choices, having flaws that reflect um, that that you will change your choices and influence how you're living your life and dealing with just everyday struggles. A lot of times that's I think what we're really attracted to in anti-heroes is their relatability. Yes, for sure. And intrigue. Yeah, lots of layers, lots, lots of, of complexities layers. to writing anti-heroes. I love writing anti-heroes. And I think um, what most people think of when they think of anti-heroes is like the basic rule is kind of the character that's too good to be bad and too bad to be good. <laughs> so they're kind of in this morally gray area where they're neither the hero nor the villain, like Kate was saying. But there's more layers to it. There's more complexities to it. And that's what we're going to explore in today's podcast. And we're going to be unpacking lots of different story examples, examples of anti-heroes that Kate and I know and love from stories from books and film. And also just kind of taking apart like the different layers of what makes an anti-hero, what makes them so complex and conflicted and makes us root for them, even though they're morally gray and, and they do have issues, we still want to see them win. What is that? Um, so kind of digging into the psychology of it, but also how to improve your own anti-heroes. So super excited to dig into this topic today. But first, before we get started, we have to thank you guys who are our sponsors. You are the ones who support this show. You keep it going. You help us keep it free of interruptions and sponsorships. And we so appreciate your support and your love for the podcast. So if you get value out of The Kate and Abby Show, go to patreon.com slash The Kate and Abby Show to help us keep this podcast alive and free of interruptions. So we appreciate every single one of you guys so much. And also when you join the Patreon, you get access to hang out with Kate and I monthly on live streams. So each month at the end of each month, we do a special hangout live stream. And in that live stream, we get to talk with you guys more closely in sort of a close, uh, small group setting on the live stream and answer your questions. And you guys can request podcast episode ideas. We kind of just use it as a fun time to connect with you guys and have better conversation. It's a really fun time. So definitely consider checking that out. All tiers get access to the monthly hangouts. So you can join the Patreon at any level to get access to the hangouts. We hope to see you guys over there. Okay, let's get into it. So number one trait of an anti-hero. As Kate and I were preparing for this podcast, we were kind of 
thinking about the concept of anti-heroes and flawed heroes and trying to find the nuanced differences between mm. them because we did a episode about writing flawed heroes mm -hmm. and that was a really good episode, a story mining episode. So if you guys haven't seen that, we'll link it below. Um, but kind of considering the differences of like, okay, well, you have a hero with flaws and like internal conflicts and they make mistakes. So how are they different than an anti-hero? And I think the biggest difference is that an anti-hero character knows what they're doing is morally wrong, but they do it anyway. Right. Like with knowledge of the fact that like going into it, they're like, I know this is wrong and I know it's going to hurt people, but I'm still going to do it anyway. So I think this is like the number one distinguisher between an anti-hero and a flawed hero. Because where a flawed hero will act out of weakness and their fatal flaws, the anti-hero is still acting out of their fatal flaws, but they're like fully conscious of the fact that what they're about to do is going to be impacting others negatively, but they do it anyway. Right. So in many <laughs> cases, it's that the motivations are different. Yeah. The driving force behind it, and obviously not all right. cases, but in many, and especially the examples we're identifying here, yeah. it's that they're coming at this... Um, this battle plan of theirs from a place of selfishness yes. fundamentally, even if they don't consciously recognize it, they, because they are constantly making choices that better them, even if it hurts others, it ultimately makes their decisions selfish. Mm -hmm. Whereas a flawed hero may struggle with making the choice, but will ultimately make a decision that will help other people or at least not hurt them or put them in harm's way. Right. Where So we have that moral compass that will be much stronger for a flawed hero who may struggle with decision-making, but won't consciously make the wrong decision that will hurt other people. Right, exactly. So true. And I feel like you did an amazing job of this in your Sparrow series with the character of Aaron Price, who is probably my favorite character in that series. And he's like just such a classic, morally gray, very internally tortured character. He's definitely an anti-hero because he's not like the villain, but his actions and decisions we can see are born from this place of like deep internal conflict and this struggle to belong and to feel like he has this place in the world. And he's kind of always felt like an outcast in a way um, because of his powers, because of his history and his past and so much good, wonderful backstory for mm -hmm. his character. But we see him go about doing the wrong things Right. for what he thinks are the right reasons. And that's kind of like the qualifier, I think, is like, can your can your character who's an anti-hero like reason with themselves of like, yes, I know that what I'm about to do is gonna be harmful and maybe hurtful to people, but I have to do it for XYZ reasons. Like there are there's a reasonable explanation for why I'm doing this and the ends justify the means. Mm -hmm. You know, and I feel like Aaron's character does that a lot in the Sparrow series where you see him like kind of manipulating Sparrow and using her to his for his own ends right. and his own gains. But at the same time, he's kind of torn by this love he has for Sparrow too. And it's like you, you see the battle inside the character. And when you see the battle happening, that's like, 
what makes you fall in love with them, I think. Because you right. see that they do have a heart deep down. Right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. And, and it also creates not so much justifying what they're doing, but it, it creates understanding for the reader. Because in the case of Corporal Aaron Price, his character in the Sparrow series, he has to make this impossible decision over because of his superpowers, he's invisible to everyone on earth except for this one person who is Sparrow. So does he keep her for his own selfish reasons or does he let her go free? There's a lot more complexity to it than that, but that's the very basic um, premise here. And because we see his pain of never being able to be seen by anyone, and we start to imagine what would that be like to have to live an existence like that. Right. So we can almost understand the pull and the allure of wanting that, yes. wanting to keep that one person who can see you, even if it's um, through means that aren't necessarily um good or they're very selfish reasons, but we can understand why he's struggling with it. So even though it doesn't justify this, these selfish behaviors that the character is exhibiting, we understand the struggle. And that's a, that's a big part, I think, of what makes us as human beings um, who struggle and deal with flaws and conflicts to, to relate. Mm -hmm. we, we get it. We relate. We're like, yeah. oh yeah, that's tough. It's actually a similar struggle to, um, and I know this is an example that we've written down, but this just came to my head, is like Chris Pratt's character in the movie Passengers. Very similar yeah. conflict in like, you know, okay, we're on this spaceship, I'm the only one who, who's awake, and am I going to wake up Jennifer Lawrence's character? I can't remember either of the characters' names. I think her but, name is Aurora. Right, so am I going to wake her up even though I know there's no way to put her back to sleep and the yeah. spaceship's going to go off into space for 80 years and... And he has to make, but we see how much he's struggling. It's so devastating to watch. And it's like, oh, we can feel just how gut-wrenching it is imagining us in the place of that character. So even though the action itself, mm, not really justifiable <laughs> because it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're doing it for selfish reasons, but we right. can understand why the character is doing it. And that's what creates that connection. And it's the same with um, Corporal Aaron. Aaron Price's character in the Sparrow series is we, we see throughout the two books, Searching for Sparrow and Sparrow Rising, how tortured and lonely this character is when we start connecting with those qualities of loneliness and, and anguish. Those are very basic primal human yeah. experiences that we can relate to and connect to with our own experiences and we can understand what's driving this character forward. And that is part of what makes them not seem like a purely evil villain. Right. Because it's not just like, moha, I'm doing this because I want to be evil. It's actually they're, they're dealing with their own suffering, but in all the wrong ways. Yes, exactly. And that's one of the things that I think makes antiheroes compelling and strong characters. Stronger to, and more compelling to read about in a lot of cases than the heroes because it's when you are developing an anti-hero, a lot of times you are putting way more focus and attention on what they want and why they want it because you're digging deep into the, the reasons why. Why would somebody be motivated to do something that's morally wrong to achieve this end? So I think that's what makes us love them so much is because their goals are so clear, their motivations are so clear. And it's easy for us to connect the dots and see how their internal conflict relates to their mission. It's like very clear and very obvious. And another um, morally gray or, or anti-hero character that immediately comes to mind 
is Dimitri from Anastasia, who's probably like one of my favorite anti-heroes because <laughs> we, Very grew, well we grew up watching Anastasia, yeah. loving that film. And just the, the hate to love romance is fantastic also. But Dimitri's character, how he's kind of just like going about getting what he wants <laughs> in all the selfish ways. He's basically using Anastasia or Anya to get all this money from her grandmother who he doesn't even think is her real grandmother until he finds out at the very like end. Um, in fact, oddly enough, we're going to Paris ourselves. Uh, and I've got three, uh, well, this one is, but I've, I've got three tickets here. Uh, unfortunately, the third one is for her, Anastasia. Oh. The motivation is basically like, I want to be free, I want this money. And that's kind of like, that's kind of the clear goal. like. And as he continues down the path of like conning this woman into believing that Anya is her granddaughter and, and her long lost, you know, relative that she's been looking for this whole time. And that whole ruse, that whole uh, manipulation that's set up, we can clearly see why he's doing it. And it makes sense, you know, the, the ends, he thinks the ends justify the means. Look, I think we got off on the wrong foot. Well, I think we did too. Okay. But I appreciate your apology. Apology? Who said anything about an apology? I was just saying Please, that we- Please, don't talk anymore, okay? It's only gonna upset me. Fine, I'll be quiet. I'll be quiet if you will. All right, I'll be quiet. Fine. 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 But slowly, as time goes on, he begins to have a character arc, and we're gonna talk about character arcs in a little bit. But that's another great example of like an anti-hero with very clear goals and a very clear objective, and we can see why he's doing what he's doing. <laughs> like, it's it makes sense. Yeah. You want no reward. Not anymore. Why the change of mind? It was more a change of heart. I must go. And another example that comes to mind, which is very similar, actually, I was contemplating how similar this is, is Flynn Rider from Tangled. Because mm -hmm. um, he's kind of, even though he ends up being heroic at the end of the story, he starts as kind of an anti-hero. I can't believe that after all we've been through together, you don't trust me? Ouch. Where he's a thief. <laughs> he wants to, you know, make money and, and be free again, like Dimitri. Um, and of course, not work for it. He wants to steal it. Where is my satchel? I've hidden it. It's in that pot, isn't it? So he ends up having this transformation, of course, where he ends up helping Rapunzel and falling in love with her and then risking actually sacrificing his life at the end to save her. But in the beginning, we see the stakes are clearly set of like, she has the precious crown that I need to sell, to make money, <laughs> to be free, to have the life I want. Very clear dots to connect, right? And so we can like clearly follow that little path to the character, back to the character's deepest motivations and see what drives them. A book I used to read every night to all the younger kids, The Tales of Flanagan Ryder, swashbuckling rogue. He had enough money to do anything that he wanted to do. He could go anywhere that he wanted to go. And, and, and for a kid with nothing, I don't know. I, it just seemed like the better option. And it doesn't always have to be like a physical like thing like you know all anti-heroes care about is money like <laughs> that doesn't that's not always the case sometimes it's more deeply rooted into their internal conflict like you were saying with right. with corporal price in your book um it's more rooted to his sense of identity and and feeling loved mm. um and that he wants to feel seen and loved and has never experienced that 
but he's also dealing with this revenge from his past um, involving the anomalies and how they've, um, you know, impacted his life in a negative way. So he's kind of dealing with so many different layers of conflict and sense of identity can be a really interesting conflict to dig into with yeah. an anti-hero. Um, and one, another anti-hero that comes to mind, and some people might consider this more of a villain character, um, but in this particular film, I would call him more of an anti-hero and that is the character of Loki from the first Thor movie in the MCU. So he kind of slowly becomes the villain throughout the course of that film. But in the beginning and throughout quite a bit of it, I would consider him more of an anti-hero in that he's kind of still bros with Thor. He's like still palling around with Thor and like part of the squad. And he's not really looked at as like a big threat by anybody. But we see that he's deeply insecure and he wants to be the king of Asgard and he will do literally whatever it takes to be the king, to be better than everyone, because he has this inferiority complex of like believing himself to be an outsider, an outcast, and not one of them. And so that's like the springboard, like the deeply rooted misbelief is that he is not one of them. He doesn't belong and that he's different and that he um, can't have a place in, in their world. So I am no more than another stolen relic locked up here until you might have use of me. Why'd you twist my words? You could have told me what I was from the beginning. Why didn't you? Right, that's really the birthplace of all the resentment and conflict yeah. that then follows to make up the rest of the stories is, right. is this inferiority he feels about not belonging mm -hmm. and not having uh, a place in, in society and in his family. He feels like he's not as much a member of the family. And so that's a really great example of identity complexity. Feeling yeah. like, um, you know, those really multi-layered conflicts. That's yeah. not so much something he's trying to get. It's something he wants to be, but feels right. he isn't. Why have you done this? To prove to Father that I am a worthy son. When he wakes, I will have saved his life. I will have destroyed that race of monsters. And I will be true heir to the throne. Yes, So exactly. the, these are good questions to ask yourself as you're crafting an anti-hero. It's like... <clears throat> Is it, is it that they're making selfish decisions or destructive decisions based off of something they want to get or achieve? Or is it something that they feel that they are not? Mm -hmm. And so they're actually in a defense mode of how do I sort of build this wall around myself to protect myself from ever having to face up to the truth that I might not be this thing that I think I am. Yeah, and really isn't that like the isn't that at the core of like all character conflicts, even if it seems like their goal is more on the surface or like more of a surface level, um, you know, achievable, quantifiable thing, like really beneath the surface it all comes from this sense of like who they are, you know, who they want to be. So that's a really good, really good question to ask yourself and start digging into. And speaking of the deeper parts of your character. Um, another huge trait that is a trademark of anti-heroes is that traumas or tragedies in their past are basically the, the thing to blame. It's what has stolen all of their good heroic attributes and turned them into the morally gray person that they are today. So 
tragic backstory is a great place to start for any anti-hero, any morally great character, because we have to go back to like, where did this begin? Because if we go back far enough, they were once a pure child, you know, they were once a child who didn't have these conflicts or these, these issues. And so where did, where did those fatal flaws come from? Where did their fears and misbeliefs come from? Um, they've probably made a lot of bad decisions throughout their past and maybe some things were inflicted upon them. Maybe some things were their own choices that were mistakes and those things shaped them into who they are today. Um, and I think that even if you don't include the backstory completely in, in your story, um, whether you're writing a novel or a screenplay, whatever it may be, even if you don't have room for the actual backstory, I would recommend writing it um, or even outlining it, like, you know, notes to yourself of like the history of this character and where their misbelief first took root because this is the driving force behind everything they do. And it's important to know where that came from. Maybe something tragic happened in their past that utterly stripped them of empathy and humanity. And that was the starting point of their dissension into morally gray behavior, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? So again, going back to some story examples, um, one of the story examples that comes to my mind is Mr. Rochester from Jane Eyre. He's not necessarily like an anti-hero, but he's not really much of a hero until the end of the story. Mm -hmm. And even throughout most of the story, his his character is a bit more reserved and broody and yeah. kind of morally gray in some ways. Right. It's interesting because the story of Jane Eyre, he's not really positioned as the hero. Like Jane right. is very much the heroine. and. Yes. Mr. Rochester isn't really competing with her for that role at all in the story. Yeah. Um, so it, it's more like he is a very complex anti-hero in a lot of ways. When I was a young man, I was your equal. I had a clear conscience. I'm polluted by sin. I took the wrong path. It wasn't my fault that I took it, but I must bear the blame for continuing on it. You know, he's he's so human feeling, which is why it's like one of my favorite, favorite dramas of all time. <laughs> Jane Eric, love it. Can I help you so I'll do anything for you? What if I asked you to do something for me that was wrong? I know. It's a great example of, um, you know, that complexity. Yeah, and how the decisions in his past have really shaped who he is today or in, in the story. And, you know, one of the, the biggest turning point of, of Jane Eyre is when, you know, she, she's basically, her trust is betrayed by Mr. Rochester when he goes to marry her and then she finds out he already has a wife. And it's like this huge moment, this huge turning point um, where the story like takes a big turn and, and Jane has to confront these conflicts. Um, but we see that Mr. Rochester, even though he has been dishonest with her in some ways, he we, you can see like his reasoning and his flaws and 
the complexities of his emotions and desires and like why he would do that. You can kind of almost put yourself in his shoes and see like, yeah, I can see why he did that. And I can see clearly like the reason behind his actions. Um, and it almost makes you question and, and ponder like, what would you do in the same situation? Um, and learning about his backstory and how his mistakes have kind of led him to the, the broken, uh, sort of chaotic person he is currently in the story. It, that really makes him feel more human, like you were saying. Mm, that's one flawed. of the, in my opinion, that's one of the coolest things that an antihero does for your story in terms of what it's doing for the reader mm -hmm. is it's making them ask questions. It's right. making them ask questions about themselves and, and question like, what would I do in this situation? What would be the per, my opinion of the right way to navigate that situation? What do I agree with what this character is doing? What do I disagree with what this character is doing? How would I help them if I could? It, it raises so many interesting questions for the reader and it makes that story that much deeper. Yeah, 100%. Um, and another antihero example that Kate doesn't know because she hasn't read this book, but, but a lot of you guys will probably know is Kaz Brecker from Six of Crows by Lee Bardugo. And he's just such a great example of a very flawed antihero who has a tragic backstory. And we learn his backstory throughout the course of the novel and we see how that has turned him into the person he is today. Um, both his greatest strength and his greatest weakness, basically, is is derived from his past and from his backstory. And beyond the the chaos and, and the brokenness and the morally grayness, it's important to remember that your character still has a heart. And I think that's what people really love about antiheroes. And actually, that's what I was kind of analyzing when I read Six of Crows, because kind of every character in that book is, is morally gray, <laughs> which is kind of an interesting, uh, interesting premise. Um, but you still like fall in love with each one of them for different reasons, because you see their humanity and you see their heart. And you see that eventually that Kaz does have a heart. <laughs> and he becomes, he comes to have more of a heart by like the end of the duology. And that's, I think what a lot of readers loved about that character. Um, and what we love about antiheroes is seeing the arc, which we're gonna talk about in a minute, but seeing the journey of change and watching them either become better or fall more into darkness, that's what makes us feel like we've been on a journey with this character. Um, but before we talk about character arcs, one last trait that I wanna point out is that antiheroes, and again, a difference between um, big difference between anti-heroes and flawed heroes is that they don't regret their mistakes, they justify them. Mm. And I think that's a big one. Like where flawed heroes will make mistakes and you know make bad decisions and then have internal conflict and struggle and have remorse over what they did. An anti-hero, on the other hand, will just try to justify their behavior so that they always feel like they're in the right. And I think this is like a recurring theme that you see with a lot of antiheroes is that they just fall back on like, well, I had a good reason for doing that. Or like, I really wasn't that bad, you know, like trying to justify their bad behavior. And a character who immediately comes to mind for this is Lady Mary Crawley from Downton Abbey. So she's kind of an antihero throughout the whole series, even though she's also 
position to be the hero, the right. heroine, in a lot of ways. Because even though the show really revolves around a very large cast of characters, she's kind of the centerpiece of like the conflicts that happen, um, mostly happen pertaining to her character. But she's kind of venomous right. <laughs> in a lot of ways. Especially in season one, it's, it's really amplified how um, a lot of her decisions are being made from selfish motivations. She hurts people and doesn't regret it. Yeah. She has very, um, very stressful relationships <laughs> with her sisters yeah. and her family. Look, I wasn't to know you hadn't told him. It never occurred to Just me. Just shut up. I don't know what's happened. Tom's made you feel bad, or Papa. Or maybe it's just the same old Mary. He wants her cake and hate me too. I never meant to. Yes, you did. She kind of is very, she has a very cutthroat personality to get what she wants. Even if some of it, you, you feel sorry for her and you can relate to her because she's doing some of it out of just not knowing what to do, their societal expectations put on her. And so you can sympathize with her character to an extent. And, and that's what really makes you actually cheer her on through the series rather than um, dislike her for all of it. There are moments when you dislike her, but there's also moments where you see she's being driven by her, this, this conflict inside of her between what she thinks society is pressuring her to do and what she really wants out of life. And so, yeah. of course, you can sympathize with that struggle. But we see her make choice after choice that she justifies based on what she needs, not necessarily what anyone else wants or needs. Right. I have not ruined my life. And if Bertie's put off by that, then... Don't demean yourself by trying to justify your venom. Just go. What, it's, it's always about what would serve her. And, of yeah. course we see that change somewhat through her character arc as right. the as the series continues on. Don't know why I did it, not really. Because you were unhappy, so you wanted me to be unhappy too. Now you're happy again, you'll be nicer for a while. You can see that it comes from a place of like insecurity mm. and self-preservation, which is another another trait to think about with antiheroes is like they're always kind of falling back on this self-preservation mode of like, I need to protect myself immediately <laughs> and protect what I want. And then everyone else kind of comes second place to that. And in a lot of ways, we see Lady Mary make these decisions and say things to people and behave a certain way that she knows is going to hurt other people, but she's okay with doing it because it somehow it's like serves what she's trying to get right. she's trying to like maybe manipulate a situation or a person and she gets back at somebody or gets even with somebody and in the midst of doing that she ends up hurting other people ah i've been waiting for you i found a book over here and i think it's just the thing to catch your interest oh really i'm intrigued what should it be mary can be such a child what do you mean darling she thinks if you put a toy down, it'll still be sitting there when you want to play with it again. But we see that it comes from like this this flawed place right. in her. And Especially present in the first two seasons. Yeah. It's, it's spectacularly done because the first season really ends in massive disaster where 
Um, she really doesn't even get what she ultimately wants, what she was doing all these calculated maneuvers to try to get to this place of maybe happiness. And even that falls through because you can't get to that place of ultimate happiness through being manipulative and through, yeah. you know, constantly throwing someone under the bus. Would you have stayed if I'd accepted you? Of course. So I've ruined everything. You've shown me I've been living in a dream. And it's time to return to real life. So, you know, we could also go into theme from there, mm -hmm. taking the actions of your anti-hero and, and using it as um, something that contributes to your theme at large yeah. as well, because it can make you... Um, can make the reader think about, wow, okay, you know, I see that there's a larger message at play here. I think that's yeah. very possible as well. Yes. And and that plays into, like, the character arc thing. So, like, what kind of grander journey do you want to bring your character on? I think that's an important question to um, contemplate as you're writing this anti-hero character. Like, do you want them to ultimately get better, like become more empathetic and more caring and less selfish, more of a hero? Or do you want them to slowly descend into more more of a negative character arc where they become worse and worse and they eventually become like a villain? Um, because every villain was once an anti-hero. If you go back far enough, you know, if you just backtrack, you will see that your villain wasn't born like that. They were made to be a villain throughout the course of their um, history and, and what they've gone through and the different conflicts that they've faced. So depending on the themes, like you were saying, that you want to bring into your story, um, both, both uh, ending scenarios could provoke the same sorts of questions and thoughts. If your character ultimately becomes more empathetic and more heroic, what kinds of themes and impressions does that leave on your reader and if your character ultimately becomes more of a villain more destructive or they meet a tragic end like they are destroyed by their own evil deeds and actions and and their own mistakes um if their mistakes destroy them in the end of the book or the end of the story how what does that show your readers how what kind of questions and themes do, does that create um so positive character arc examples from what we've talked about. Dimitri has a positive character arc from Anastasia. Um, Flynn Rider has a positive character arc. He becomes like the hero at the end of the story. Um, and then Lady Mary has kind of a positive character arc in that by the end of the last season, we see that she she mends things. She right. like makes amends with her sister, who she has repeatedly <laughs> gone out of her way to sabotage her sister's life in different ways but she finally makes amends there and and heals the relationship between them and we see her become a better person and we see other characters make her a better person i think that's another thing that you can play with too um, with positive character arcs for your anti-hero is like what other characters are in the mix that make this anti-hero a better person. Mm -hmm. um, and the same with like if Flynn's character in Entangled, like Rapunzel makes him a better person. And that's kind of the reason why he changes. 
Um, And then on the flip side, you have negative character arc examples like Loki in the film Thor. Like he's kind of an anti-hero for the whole thing and then becomes worse and worse and then falls off into space. And of course he doesn't die, but that's kind of like a tragic end moment where we see that his behavior and his actions have, have brought him to this moment of destruction, self-destruction. And then, I don't want to give away like or spoil anything about your books, but Aaron Price has kind of a negative character mm, arc, yes. too, in that his mistakes and his actions bring him to a place of darkness in the end. Okay. Um, so there are different ways to play with this and, and make it something that is... It's bringing your themes into mm. the story, ultimately, and making your readers ask the kinds of questions that you want them to contemplate after they finish reading your book. So true. Yeah, it's a really cool thing to use an anti-hero for. So bring out the theme just as much as the hero or the villain of the story. Sometimes it doesn't have to be one extreme or the other. Sometimes we actually see more of the struggle and the the down-to-earth, everyday human decisions Mm -hmm. on display in the anti-hero. Yeah, very true. So to recap real quick, traits of an anti-hero, it's not just that they're too good to be bad, too bad to be good. It's also that they know what they're doing is morally wrong, but they do it anyway. They're going about getting what they want in all the selfish ways, not caring who they hurt in the process. Traumas or tragedies from their past have stolen all their good heroic attributes and turned them into the morally gray person they are today. They don't regret their mistakes. They try to justify them to themselves and to others, try to kind of come to a conclusion that they had a good reason for doing what they did. Um, And they're morally flexible. They're always in self-preservation mode. They act out of their fears and weaknesses and their insecurities. But ultimately, they have this deep desire, this goal to be something that they're not and to achieve something that they've always wanted. And that fear and that goal can come out of their past, come out of their deeply rooted misbelief and their fatal flaws. So explore that and also ask yourself, what kind of character arc am I going to give my anti-hero? Is it going to be positive or negative and why? And what kind of questions will my reader ask because of the arc that this character has, the journey that they go on and how they transform? So yeah, hopefully you guys took notes. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Comment below and tell us what is your favorite anti-hero character in a story. We've used a lot of examples today that we personally love and have learned from. And we think that the best way to learn about writing is through studying your favorite stories and studying your favorite characters and trying to understand like, what is it that makes me love this so much? It's a great way to learn about writing, learn about story. Um, So drop a comment in the comment section below this video and tell us your favorite anti-hero and why, why you love them so much. If you haven't seen the video version of this podcast, you can find that on Kate's YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash K-A Emmons. Check that out. Also, of course, check out Kate's Sparrow series. Check out Kate's whole series because she has amazing characters, such great anti-heroes, villains, heroes, just 
amazing complex characters. So if we have piqued your curiosity by talking about Sparrow today, you definitely want to check out that series. It's yeah, you amazing. can find all the links in the description of this video, as well as links to Abby's books. Yes. That's actually one of the best ways to also support us as writers is to check out our books. We're always so humbled and honored when you guys want to read some of the things that we've written. We're also working on a series together. That, so many anti-heroes. Yeah, so time. many anti-heroes. <laughs> if you want to sign up for the waiting list, so you're one of the first to find out as we begin to think about launching in the future, make sure you sign up for that email list so that you can be one of the first to know. Yeah, so exciting. I, I can't wait. As we were doing this podcast, I'm like, I want to use some examples. I know, <laughs> I know, series, right? <laughs> but we can't yet because it's top secret. Top secret. But you guys will love it. If you love anti-heroes, you're going to love this series. So stay tuned for that. And thank you again to our amazing patrons, our sponsors who support this show and keep it going. We appreciate you guys so much. If you get value out of this podcast, go to patreon.com slash the Kate and Abby show and help us keep it alive and free of interruptions. Until next time, stay stoked and rock on.